It's season three of Ing Podcast, a production of Meadow Media's Leader Magazine. What does it mean to authentically follow Jesus? Oh, look, I've made every mistake in the book. <laughs> That's why I put them in the book. <laughs> and um, we can learn from our mistakes. But, you know, I think God's grace is there with us. Um, by God's grace, lives are still transformed. And um, we owe it to ourselves not to, you know, have allowed this sense of perfectionism to stop us from, from doing something. Join us as we talk with people of faith who are creatively thinking, growing, and being. People who are reimagining and exploring what it means to enrich faith in a complex world. Our conversation begins now. Join us as we journey together. Hello, friends. Welcome to Ing Podcast. I'm really excited today to be sitting down with an author uh, by the name of Craig Greenfield. Um, I was uh, given Craig's name from Jason Porterfield, who's been on the podcast before, uh, someone who might fit in with this uh, podcast, ongoing podcast journey that we have here, uh, thinking, growing, being uh, here at the Ing Podcast, um, in part because Craig has a new book out called Subversive Mission. Um, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, but in digging around and trying to figure out who you were, Craig, I, I found on your website where you say you describe yourself as an outsider who helps insiders become alongsiders. And I, I thought there's something really interesting and compelling about that. So um, I'm excited about today's conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks for being here with us on Ing Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Should also say for our listening audience, Craig's located in Cambodia. So uh, we have a few time zones here between us. It's uh, morning for me, evening for Craig, and um, we're, we're going <laughs> to hopefully uh, have a, a wonderful time together despite that uh, geographic difference. For sure. For those who don't know you, Craig, can you give a little bit of your background here, um, uh, just who you are and how you wound up uh, in Cambodia? Sure. Well, um, I guess I've been a bit of an outsider for a lot of my life. My, my parents were immigrants to Canada, where I was born. Um, but then I grew up in New Zealand, and for most of my adult life, I've lived here in Cambodia, based out of Cambodia, where I'm very much an outsider. Um, I look like an outsider, although I'm fluent in the language and culture. Um, but I guess that's been part of what I'm grappling with in this next book. Um, what is the role of outsiders in the world as we serve, as we live in a world full of need? Um, but yeah, like you, like you mentioned, I call myself an outsider who helps insiders become alongsiders. And one of the things that, um, that kind of grew out of our life and ministry here in Cambodia was this grassroots youth discipleship movement called Alongsiders. And we challenge and equip and um, inspire young Christians, um, starting in Cambodia, um, to walk alongside those who walk alone. So young children in their own communities, in their own slums or villages, and really just come alongside them, disciple them, encourage them, mentor them. And we call those young people alongside. It's a very simple but powerful commitment. And that movement has now spread to over 30 countries around the world. Um, about 22,000 children and young people involved in, at this time and growing very fast. So watch out. Alongsiders are coming. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
I, I think it's probably important to take a step back. Subversive Mission is not your first book. Um, it's, it follows a book that you wrote called Subversive Jesus. So maybe um, instead of talking about how you got to Subversive mm-hmm. Mission, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the book that came before it, Subversive Jesus, an, an adventure in justice, mercy, and faithfulness in a broken world? Yeah, sure. So after about, um, so we moved to Cambodia. I moved with my wife, Nay, and we um, we actually moved into a, an urban slum community and lived for about seven years amongst the urban poor in Phnom Penh, um, Cambodia's capital city. After about seven years, we were actually being evicted for the second time. Our whole slum was being evicted um, by government officials, um, all tied up with corruption. And what we had, the kind of ministry that we had started was in local leadership hands. And so we just sensed God calling us to move somewhere else. And we were open to move anywhere and um, seemed like all roads led, led to Vancouver, BC, Canada. And so we actually moved into the downtown east side of Vancouver, BC. And if you've ever been there, uh, you'll know that is a very intense place full of issues of homelessness and drug addiction and prostitution. And um, that's really where we felt comfortable after coming from the slums of Asia was in a place that was so vibrant and chaotic. And we started a Christian community there called Servants and um, that's really where this book came from, Subversive Jesus, was what does it look like to serve Jesus um, in our own kind of backyard in, in Western countries? What does that look like? And, um, you know, I love the word subversive. I've used it in two of my book titles because it kind of comes from these words that mean to turn things around from, the, from, from, the under, from below, from underneath. Mm-hmm. And I really believe in grassroots transformation and change. I believe that uh, there's a reason why Jesus said, blessed are the poor, because so often they are the ones who see the change that we need in our societies. It's a unique thing that we've arrived at this place where, especially for American Christians, we, many of us come from places of privilege and power. And mm. um, that's Me not too. necessarily the roots of, uh, <laughs> of the Christian movement, although I, certainly there have been times where it's been co-opted by powerful uh, politics. Uh, but um, yeah, I really, I really appreciate that, that angle and that perspective that you're coming from. So we have this subversive Jesus, and it leads us to um, your newest book uh, called Subversive Mission, um, Serving as Outsiders in a World of Need. Was there something, a step, I guess, from, from one to the other? Well, I guess there was, there was a few years in between where uh, we actually since God calling us back to Cambodia and we, we moved back here about nine, ten years ago. Um, I guess the, the kind of the, the thesis behind this book is we could trace it back to the birth of Jesus where, you know, Jesus comes, he could have come as a king, but instead he comes as a, you know, a little baby that is very, very vulnerable. And um, he's born in the, in the context of the census. And censuses are generally kind of run by the the leaders of an empire in order to figure out how much taxes and how many soldiers they can co-opt. And so it's really Jesus is born in the shadow of these twin pillars of empire, money and power. Mm. And um, Jesus comes in the very opposite posture. And his upside down kingdom is very much the opposite posture of not using money and power for change, 
but using other things and seeing the kingdom of God bubble up from underneath the subversive kingdom. And so really where we have gone wrong very often as Christians, and I guess I'm speaking from the context of missions or serving or ministering, is where we have kind of got tied up with money and power. And so throughout history, whenever we've done that, we've really gotten off track. And we know the sins of colonialism and those have been tied up with missions work um, as well. And so I guess I was kind of at this point where COVID hits and it's very much an inflection point for many, many sectors, but also for missions. And in fact, it really accelerated what's been happening for, for a number of years now. And that is just a real sense of paralysis around what is our role as outsiders, as people of power and privilege in the world. Nobody wants to be a white savior. Everybody's read When Helping Hurts, everybody. (laughs) Um, And so what that has led to is much more awareness, which is great, much more awareness of the injustice and colonialism and racism, but also a deep sense of paralysis around what is our role in the world. And so I really wrote Subversive Mission to lay out a framework which I think is very, very helpful for us to grapple with as a way of being in the world without mm. continuing to perpetuate those, so, those same sins and problems. Mm. It strikes me as you're talking that there are so many different parallels um, in many different kinds of, of, of awakenings, I guess. I was thinking just the other day with my spouse about... Um, uh, growing up at times in spaces where um, our faith was categorized by a you don't want to go to hell so here so you should be a Christian it was sort of this like fear-based um, mm-hmm. pushing towards towards uh, embracing embracing that uh, that religion or that that movement mm-hmm. um, and as parents we know what not to do more so than we know <laughs> what really to do. Uh, we know we know that we don't want that for our children, but then what? So yeah. <laughs> um, how yeah. do we fill in that, that void? Uh, and, and I think what you're saying is true. I think most of us can very quickly list a long um, number of reasons for, for how mission has been done poorly in the past. Yeah. And yeah. instead of just dwelling there, you're offering us a step beyond just the critique into, into something a bit more active. And that's yeah. um, absolutely appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I believe God is still calling us to love our neighbor, whether they're across yeah. the street or across the oceans. We simply cannot get away from that central command and invitation of Jesus. And so yeah. paralysis is actually not an acceptable response. Yeah. It may be causing less harm, but it's, <laughs> it's not actually being proactive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The 500th anniversary of Anabaptism in 2025 gives the church a unique opportunity to celebrate and dream. Menno Media invites you to celebrate and dream with us as we embrace this anniversary's hope and possibility by creating fresh, forward-looking resources for Anabaptism's quincentenary celebration. Each resource will offer spiritual inspiration, connection, education, and invitation to the Anabaptist community and to the broader Christian church. To learn more about Anabaptism at 500 or how to contribute your story to these resources, visit Anabaptism at 500.com.
before your book even begins, um, there's a, par- uh, a paragraph that outlines that this is a work of creative nonfiction. Uh, you write that though it's a true story you've relied on your own memory unpublished writings and past blog posts of events and conversations Um, you've taken some uh, I guess creative uh, liberty with timeline and things like that to to really tell a story and I I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the choice to really create a narrative here in your writing Mm. well that's an interesting question I haven't had before nice one Um, well you know I just don't like my books to be like doing homework. <laughs> I want it to be, <laughs> right. I want it to be something that, you know, is gripping, that is exciting. Yeah. There's a story unfolding. What's going to happen next? And so it certainly is a true story in the sense of it's our unfolding story of how these various ministries are birthed. Um, but at the same time, it's also this framework. And so a framework could be very dry, um, but I think that's really where the meat is, where the the takeaway is in that framework, but it's couched in in this beautiful unfolding story, which I think people will find both exciting and inspiring. Hmm. I like that. Did you have a particular audience in mind as you were um, writing these words? I did. I'm... In many ways, you know, like a missionary writing a book, um, there's there's a sense in which there's an older generation that are kind of going to enjoy that, the missions committee, uh, <laughs> all of that kind of thing. And really, yeah. I'm not writing for those people. In fact, what, I, what I'm saying, in, and you'll, you'll also see this in some of my blog posts about why we actually need to get rid of the words missionary and missions, um, is not going to resonate greatly with the older generation because they, you know, they grow up in different times. Um, There's a different perspective on that. I really wrote this for people perhaps in their, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s who have a sense of, you know, they love Jesus. They want to love their neighbours. They're passionate about justice. This generation is passionate about issues of justice. And so how, do, how then do we find new wineskins for this mm. very old, beautiful invitation to love our neighbors? As you've uh, been moving through this project, did anything surprise you along the way uh, when you're trying to reimagine uh, a different kind of posture? Um, sometimes surprises are, are really where things crystallize. Can you, can you say a word or two about that? Well, the probably the biggest surprise was I started writing it um, right at the beginning of COVID. <laughs> and mm. what I didn't realize was how prescient this book would be because COVID mm. um, just completely accelerated all of the things that I was saying. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Um, Jim Elliott, um, many of us have heard of the, you know, the famous missionary killed by a spear on a beach in Ecuador in 1956 and very much hailed a hero around the world. He was featured in Life magazine. He was uh, considered a martyr for the faith. About 60 years later, another young person is John Allen Chow, killed in a very, very similar way, also killed by a spear on a beach in the Andaman Islands, killed by the people he was trying to reach with the gospel. And apart from small pockets within the church, um, John Allen Chow, and I don't say these words to be flippant, but I, I'm quoting them because they were quoted by the New York Times. He was labeled a fool and a flag bearer for colonialism. So this is 2017. And so this is a couple of years, three years before the pandemic. And the pandemic only accelerated that sense 
as many, many missionaries returned home, um, in some cases their ministries did not continue on because they had not um, served in a way that was going to be sustainable. Um, and they're not being replaced, the younger generation not being replaced. And mm -hmm. so COVID has really very much accelerated that. I, didn't, I, was, I was surprised at how fast things collapsed <laughs> around the world. Yeah. yeah. It strikes me, too, that your book might have something to offer an increasingly polarized um, world as well. Um, mm. Because I think polarization has also led to some of the paralysis you were talking about. Um, is, it has. I wonder, I wonder if uh, you would be able to say a word or two about some of the fear of making mistakes that is so so prevalent mm. in that polarization right now. And, and yeah. um, maybe... maybe building out a little bit more of what you were saying about still being willing to take a step, even, even if you've realized some of the missteps of the past. Oh, look, I've made every mistake in the book. And we can learn from our mistakes, but, you know, I think God's grace is there with us. Um, by God's grace, lives are still transformed. And um, we owe it to ourselves not to, you know, have allowed this sense of perfectionism to stop us from, from doing something. I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, like I said, we've been evicted from slums twice, two, two massive slum evictions by the local mm -hmm. authorities. And we journeyed with many of our neighbours through that. And um, one of the young women that was being evicted, young woman named Dep Bunny, and she and four of her young friends um, who were being evicted decided to drag their beds into the middle of the, their bamboo beds into the middle of the busiest intersection in the capital city of Cambodia. And you can just imagine the horns honking, the dust flying, the shouting, and then the sound of the soldiers' boots as they run towards these vulnerable little women and grab them violently and push them into van, into a van and take them off and arrest them and put them in prison for, for a year. Now, um, what's my role there as, as an outsider? And in the book, yeah. I kind of go through the fivefold ministries and talk one by one, you know, evangelist, apostle. And the role of the prophet, and um, what I want to suggest is the role of a prophet it's someone who's prophetically gifted, someone who's, in, who's passionate about justice like me, is to come not as a prophet, like Deb Bunny very much was speaking truth to power. That was her role, to speak truth to power in that context. My role is to come as an ally and amplify her voice and her story. That's why I'm telling it on this podcast, yeah. so that people can know what situation Bunny is facing in Cambodia. Now, there's so many ways I can do that wrong. I can tell the story wrong. I can make all kinds of mistakes. But at the end of the day, Dep Bunny is in prison, and she mm. very much counts on those who are willing to get the word out for her, for justice for her. And mm. so these are some of the, you know, honestly, just unjust and oppressive and exploitative situations around the world. Are we honestly willing to say, because I might make a mistake, I'm not willing to get involved? I would suggest and invite people to say, no, I'm willing to get started and try something. Mm. You're dealing with um, some of the biggest... Uh 
you know, ch challenges of human injustice, I guess, in, in the spaces mm -hmm. you've chose to call home. Uh, what, what gives you hope or reason to <laughs> continue on when you're faced with some of these really difficult hardships? Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that I have come to really believe about us Westerners is that we desperately often lack perspective. Mm. Um, I spent a year back in my home country, New Zealand, last year, and honestly it was sad. And I'm talking about the kind of polarization, the conspiracy theories, the things that people are pre preoccupied with. Um, and so we desperately need to get out of our contexts to rediscover hope. And um, very often that hope is found amongst the, the least likely people, the, the poor, mm -hmm. the marginalized, those who are struggling. Um, I think of Rachel in Malawi, who's an alongsider, and I asked her how she chose her little sister. So they each have one little sister or one little brother from their own village. Okay. And um, Rachel said to me, Craig, I come from a village that's notorious for prostitution and sex trafficking. And when I heard about this idea of becoming a longsider at my church, I went back to my house and decided to pray and ask God to um, show me who should be my little sister. And as I was praying, I looked out my window and I saw my neighbors teaching a little girl how to dance seductively for men, a little girl named Esther. She's about 10 years old. And I knew in that moment, she said to me, that should be my little sister. And so Rachel oh, took on wow. Esther as her little sister, helped her get back into school, helped her join the church community, um, protected her in many ways. And a few months ago, I wrote to Rachel. Actually, I met up with her um, quite recently. It was, it was such a beautiful reunion. But she said, I said, how's Esther doing? You've been walking alongside her for about six years. And she said, Craig, Esther has just... Um, graduated from high school, and now she wants to go and become a nurse and train wow. to become a nurse. And I'm like, these are people who are in very desperate situations. I mean, probably nobody's heard about Cyclone Freddy, which literally just wiped out a lot of Malawi last month. So they are in very, very difficult situations, and yet they are able to get outside their bubble, outside their comfort zone, and reach out to another person. So how much more so those of us who have so much privilege and so much power and resources? That's, um, boy, that is such powerful fuel to continue on with uh, with some something that sometimes feels helpless or hopeless uh, to hear yeah. those stories of breakthrough like that. Yeah, Craig, for, for those who are intrigued by um, these words today, um, beyond your book, are there places where people can follow um, what you are up to? Yeah, so I have a blog at craiggreenfield.com, and you can actually take one of those little online quiz tests to find out your missional type um, for mm. free on my website. Um, so just go and check that out on the website and you go through a few questions and then it will give you a free PDF of the framework that I cover in the book. Obviously I go into much more depth in the book. Well, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for, um, thanks for your optimism, I guess is, is what I will say today. It, <laughs> does, it feels like, um, a real gift to be reminded of some of these things, some of these truths in this moment in time, especially, you know, as we continue through, um, the realities of what COVID has done to our world to, um, to continue to try and make a difference despite so many things that 
that have have crippled us or have flipped upside down in the last few years yeah, yeah. for sure for sure well I, I battled cynicism as well so holding on to that optimism and hope yeah thank you craig um, for those who are interested uh, i really do encourage you to go check out uh, his new book, Subversive Mission, Serving as Outsiders in a World of Need. Craig, thanks again for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great time. Next week on Ing Podcast, we're sitting down with Herald Press author Tamara Hill Murphy to talk about her new book, The Spacious Path, Practicing the Restful Way of Jesus in a Fragmented World. Because of the way... I felt led into writing about this project and the ways that it created humility in me and a sense of being in over my head a lot. I, even in writing this book, let alone living my everyday life, realized I, I am not alone and I can't do this alone and I don't want to be alone. As always, we'd like to thank our guests and all who support Ing Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the journey. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. And if you have something to share, send us a message at theing at menomedia.org or by leaving us a voicemail. Ing Podcast is hosted by Reverend Allison Moss and produced by me, Ben Weidman. Views and opinions expressed on Ing Podcast are those of our hosts and guests and may not represent that of Leader Magazine or Menno Media. Ing Podcast is a production of Menno Media, a nonprofit publisher that creates thoughtful Anabaptist resources to enrich faith in a complex world. To find out more, visit us online at menomedia.org. This summer from Shine, The Peace Table, a storybook Bible for kids age 5 to 11, with faithful retelling of 140 Bible stories and beautiful, full-color artwork from 30 illustrators. 12 Peace Paths encourage children to explore the ways that peace themes are woven throughout the Old and New Testaments, and a resource section includes ideas for how to experience peace with God, self, others, and creation, as well as maps, background information on the Bible, interactive ways to pray, and prayers for many occasions. Pre-order before June 1st and get 25% off on your order. More information at thepeacetablebible.com.